0: Welcome to the Beringa Energy Explainer podcast, a supplement to our Energy Innovators podcasts. Through our Explainer podcasts, we aim to explore at a more fundamental level a key theme discussed in one of our client-facing podcasts. We hope that this provides some valuable context and clarification of those more in-depth conversations with our clients for listeners who might not be highly involved in that area of the industry. hello and welcome to the latest in our explainer series heating buildings accounts for around 17 percent of the uk's total carbon emissions making it an absolutely crucial area to decarbonize if the government is to succeed in meeting their net zero targets today baringas becky teesdale is here to give us an overview of how we respond to the challenge of heat decarbonization hi becky thanks for coming on to the pod today
1: hi matt thanks for having me
0: if you could just start becky With a brief introduction and maybe a bit of an overview of your background in the heat space, that would be really useful.
1: Sure. So I work in Baringa's energy and resource practice and I've been driving Baringa's work in the heat space for some time now. I have significant experience working across the value chain, working with a number of parties, including manufacturers, energy retailers, heat retailers, the investment community and government to move the heat decarbonisation agenda forward.
0: Thanks, Becky. So I thought it'd be useful just to begin with an overview of what decarbonisation of heat is and why it's such an important theme in the context of the UK's net zero ambitions. Could you just provide a bit of an overview um, of of what we mean when we talk about heat decarbonisation?
1: So in the UK today, around 85% of homes and around 65% of non-domestic buildings are heated by natural gas, which releases carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And around a third of our carbon footprint is from heating and hot water. To decarbonise heat will therefore mean that gas boilers, oil and the other more traditional heating methods will eventually need to be replaced by a low carbon system. So why is it so important? It's the next big transformation of the energy system affecting generation networks and every home and business in the UK. And the UK will miss its net zero targets if buildings are not decarbonised. So, homes and buildings will be decarbonised through transitioning to low-carbon heat generation, improving efficiency and integrating smart technologies. The optimal route to decarbonisation will depend on the type and location of the property. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, though efficiency improvement will likely be common in most properties. The journey to heat decarbonisation needs to tackle a number of challenges, including better information and customer engagement. At the moment, customers are not generally aware of the issue of their role to play and where to go to get this information. So when they come to replace their existing boiler, they're most likely to continue to still replace it with another gas boiler rather than new technologies such as heat pumps. Greater market confidence in heat decarbonisation agenda will also give more confidence in the markets to invest in the technologies which will develop the supply chain and help to drive down costs as well.
0: Thanks, Becky. So, so, I mean, this really seems like quite a unique proposition just both in terms of, of the scale of, of impact required. Um, we're looking at changes right across the energy value chain from generation to end consumption um, and also in terms of the onus on technological innovation to achieve this as, like you say, we move away from the traditional gas boiler. Maybe we could just deep dive into some of these technologies then. what What are some of the most promising solutions
1: so as I mentioned, there isn't a one size fits all approach to heat decarbonisation and a mix of technologies will be required. However, we expect electrification of heat will play a leading role and those solutions include heat pumps, storage heaters and some of the more niche technologies as well. So heat pumps by this is air source heat pumps, ground source, exhaust to air, water source heat pumps. There's a, there's a real variety there. And in heat pumps, efficiently concentrate heat from the ambient environment to enable use in buildings. They can also be combined with a boiler in a hybrid system to provide peak heating. Let's give you a couple of examples of how these technologies work. So an air source heat pump for example, this absorbs heat from the outside air and it uses it to heat radiators, underfloor or warm air heating systems as well as hot water. Ground source heat pumps work in a similar way, but use underground pipes to absorb heat from the ground itself. Although the upfront cost is more expensive than a traditional gas boiler, and they can be more difficult to install, heat pumps are cheaper to run and require less maintenance. They're also safer than systems based on combustion. Heat pumps reduce carbon emissions as it has an efficient conversion rate of energy to heat, and ground source heat pumps can actually reach efficiencies of around 300 to 400%. But the market's in its infancy in the UK, um, it's much more mature in Europe. In Sweden, for example, that has amongst the highest rates of European heat pump installs. We're seeing Netherlands regulation driving sales, particularly in the new home market, um, and also merging commercial models in the retrofit market. In the UK, we expect to see substantial growth over the next decade, and it's become a much more core part of the heating mix. And this growth will be driven by favourable incentives and more commercial models emerging. So i also mentioned storage heaters. So this draws electricity from the grid, stores it and uses it when it's required. And this can play a really helpful role in the hard to treat homes of the off gas grid properties. These types of electrical heating have actually had less investment today, but could play a role if developed further. And an example of some of the more niche technologies, you've got infrared heating, and this is a heating system that works by infrared waves heating objects directly rather than the heating the air. We've
0: covered electrification then, and you mentioned three technologies in this sphere, I suppose, you've got your, your heat pumps of a variety of different types, uh, storage heating, and then kind of the more, more niche applications such as infrared. Um, are there any other technologies that might be suitable options if we're, if we're looking at alternatives to going down the electrification route?
1: Yeah, so heat networks, whilst not a technology, but a way of delivering heat, is another really great example. And we see this will have a a key role to play. So currently, they account for 2% of the heat demand in the UK, but it could be much greater. Again, more widespread in North, Central and Eastern Europe, with market share there typically 50 to 70%. But with regulation due to come and, and give better standards and protection, we expect to see this will have a much bigger role. And heat networks can harness a range of technologies which gives great flexibility. So they work by delivering heat from a central energy system to nearby buildings via insulated pipes, and it's best deployed in specific geographies. So they work really well in densely populated areas like cities and towns, ideally close to a waste heat source, but they wouldn't be suitable in more rural areas. Heat networks need clean heat, which could come from a number of different sources. So for example, energy from waste, biomass, industrial processes, and heat pumps, for example. You've then got biofuels, so biomethanes, which can be consumed in existing infrastructure. So very widely usable, but the resource availability limits the scale of the impact we see this having. It's most useful in decarbonising peak demand. And then you've got bio-LPG. This has an option to be a drop-in replacement with the same heating qualities for some property types. And then hydrogen should play quite a key role too. So, for heat decarbonisation, that would need to be green hydrogen. It's still in its very early stage and it needs to be um, proved more from a safety angle and it's yet to be commercialised. So, whilst we expect hydrogen is likely to play a larger role in transport and greening the industrial sector, we do see it could also be viable in some areas by repurposing the gas grid. And it's currently being trialled in, in some areas. And, and one of the, the key ones is the Cadent Hydrogen Trial, which is blending 20% of hydrogen into the existing grid. Energy efficiency is also key. So, again, whilst not a technology itself, this is enhancing the fabric and the fittings of the building to better retain heat and should be a prerequisite of to installation of any low-carbon heating technology.
0: I think... Key take home from what you've just said then, considering the variety of alternatives, uh, including hydrogen, biofuels and improved energy efficiency, as well as uh, some of the electrification options that you've mentioned. is There's no silver bullet when it comes to heat decarbonisation, but actually a strategy is required that relies on a combination of these different technologies and uh, depending on their uh, specific applications. So on that matter of heat strategy and, and policy, What are the national targets that we've set for decarbonising heat, and how close are we, as things stand, to meeting them?
1: So, as I mentioned earlier, the UK has the 2050 net zero emission target, and this is one of the the key targets. But in addition to this, around a third of local authorities have also declared climate emergencies with more near term um, dates of around 2030. And these will only be possible if we completely decarbonise the building stock, and unfortunately, we are some way off achieving this. Decarbonising heat is a really tough challenge. It's much more invasive than decarbonising the power sector. when It needs to influence millions of decision makers, i.e. the householder, on choices concerning what is that may be their prime asset. To meet the decarbonisation targets by 2050, It said that around 19,000 homes each week must be upgraded. And to achieve this, households and businesses will need to accept the the disruption that the switch to a new technology will bring. The government recently announced an ambition to install 600,000 heat pumps each year by 2028 as a way of meeting the targets. And we're some way off this today because that would be a 20 fold increase on the installs that we're seeing each year at the moment. And, and the main reason for this is we we lack a clear path forward. I think now it's actually also worth touching on zoning. So we don't have zoning in the UK at the moment, but the, there is a role here to play in terms of regulating the type of heat solution that would be best suited to a local area. So for example, you might say this area is is really well suited to a heat network and all the residents of businesses should connect to that network when they're replacing their existing assets or another area might be suitable for hydrogen or for heat pumps. And that makes it easier for customers to know where to where to go when they have to come to replace their boilers and help with that low awareness of technologies.
0: Thanks, Becky. Some, some, some really interesting points mentioned there. And. Um... Are there any other final thoughts, or or do you have any closing remarks you'd want to add on how we meet the challenges of heat decarbonisation?
1: Yes, so there are a number of additional barriers that we're seeing: you know, cost, reliable guidance, limited funding, kind of that that awareness from the consumer point of view. But equally, we are seeing encouraging policies. And the recent announcement in the government 10-point plan to bring forward the legislation that no new home can have gas boilers installed after 2023 will help this. But we need to firmly tackle the retrofit market in a similar way if we're going to have any success in meeting the target. And it's through these sorts of targets and policies that give the, like, the organisations like Vattenfall the certainty to continue investing in the heat decarbonisation and we'll see that market continue to grow.
0: Fantastic, thanks Becky. Um, I think what's just so fascinating from this conversation is is, is just how significant this pathway to a decarbonised heating system is, but also the vast array of challenges that need to be tackled to achieve it. If you've just tuned into the Beringa Explainer podcast on heat decarbonisation, we'd highly recommend that you have a listen to our conversation with Mike Reynolds, Managing Director of Vattenfall Heat UK. Mike offers some valuable insights into the challenges we experience in decarbonising heat, some of the market mechanisms that can support the heat decarbonisation agenda, and suggests what needs to change in the market to accelerate us on the path to net zero. You can listen to this conversation by following the link in the bio.